I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. going on everybody welcome back to the will and dj podcast until uh, we find a better name we are open to suggestions by the way on twitter if you guys have any creative things for me and dj we are open to uh you know having a nice groupie name maybe a name in the podcast but um you know ota's uh kicking off dj was there yesterday and we'll get into that before getting into some more painful memories of uh some of the the moments that made you almost want to quit being a jets fan we will get to more positive stuff in future episodes dj how we doing I'm doing good, man. Uh, OTAs was yesterday. It was boring as hell. But um, again, you know, I know the Jeff fans, they want to hear about it. They want to read about it. They want to talk about it. So that's why we're here. We're here to provide that. Um, you know, I, you know, sacrificed my time, my freedom, my entertainment, my enjoyment to watch, you know, a bunch of seven on seven for you guys, not for myself, not to pay the bills. That's so I can eat, but for you guys, because you guys pay the bills. But anywho. Yeah, man, you know, it's uh, OTAs are, um, they're fun because obviously a lot of the stuff coming out of the draft has been a lot of hype for the offseason. It's the first time you get to see people get to see everyone, you know, in video and in, uh, in helmets and just moving around doing football activities as opposed to just hearing them talk. So um, any, any big takeaways? I, I mean, for me, at least listening yesterday, I wasn't able to go. Um, my uh, my other job has me quite swamped right now, but um, <laughs> it seems like um, the biggest takeaways are just Zach being louder and obviously being much heavier in a good way. Um, and then, you know, just Sauce and Garrett Wilson, a few other rookies looking like they belong in the NFL in their first day in, in front of other people. Is that kind of what your main takeaways were? I know that's hard to take away much, but um, is, that, if, is that, that, if anything, what you kind of took away? Um, yeah, some of my takeaways were – because in OTA with Zach, you have to just see his, I guess, like the processing, like how he's moving through his reads, how quickly he's moving through his reads. Um, I think he did, he did a slightly better job of that. Obviously, it's still early and it's harder to detect how well he's really moving. But you could see how he was going from one, two, three. You know, sometimes he'll be right to left, hit the check down or left to right, find the check down. It was happening a lot more efficiently, a lot smoother. That's all that really mattered at the time. Like, we know he has a fantastic arm. You know, he can rifle into tight windows, things of that nature. But, like, as I wrote in my article yesterday, it doesn't really matter. Like, obviously, it matters about his arm talent. But for him to become a franchise guy, it's going to be cerebral for him. It's going to be all in between the ears. It's not going to be all the off-platform throws that he can make. Because, again, I won't say most quarterbacks can do that because most can't. But most quarterbacks can make majority of the throws. What separates them is – their ability to process and read and dissect defenses. Now, there's some quarterbacks that can get away with not being able to do that as much because they have more talent, um, whether it's it's through their legs um, and just some have stronger arms so they can make certain throws when their read is slightly off, like let's say like a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen. But um, again, most they can still read defenses and slice them up in that aspect too. And it's good to see that early, it's early, but good to see that he was able to 
go through his reads a little bit quicker. Like, like he was a lot, he was, there's some throws where he was extremely decisive. Like there's one to like Corey Davis where like Corey Davis beats Bryce Hall down the sidelines, but like he's quick, he's out breaking around. He's quick with that throw, right? It's just one, two, three, boom. Same like Elijah. He did the same thing with Elijah. One, two, three, throw. Um, Elijah caught it, but DJ Reed punched it out. But uh, yeah, I think that was what you want to see. You want to see the efficiency. You want to see the quickness in going through the reads. When it's not there, going to you check down. I mean, there were some plays where you know he held the ball along that you would like, but I think that's going to be more of a theme now because there's just more talent on the defense in the secondary. So there's going to be plays where it's not immediately open. He's going to have to create out of outside of structure, which is a good thing. That's actually not a bad thing. Because the last year, like in OTAs, like it was like when I mean like if we carried what we saw in OTA, let's say there was no training camp and it was just OTAs. And you went straight to playing regular football games. You would have thought Zach was going to be, I don't know. You thought Zach was going to have like at bare minimum, like a Colin Murray type rookie year. Cause he just looked that efficient, that good in terms of, you know, being able to produce in practice. Cause obviously shorts, t-shirts, yada, yada, yada. But again, like, there wasn't that much resistance from the defensive side this year. We will transition to that. You can see that the, there's a upgrade in talent. It's um, I guess from the skill position uh, spots. So something I noticed, and obviously I was not there yesterday, so I can't say in person until I see Zach in person again. It's kind of hard for me to like really properly judge it, but he just looks like a more natural NFL player. I know it sounds so like overblown and the weight stuff sometimes we get too much into, but I do think it's a big deal. Um, I think it's probably one of the biggest themes of the stories of this offseason is literally Zach being looking like a grown man. Um, more so and you I'm not asking everyone to be Cam Newton and be 250 260 pounds and 6'6 like that's not you know whatever but we've seen a lot of these guys come into the NFL and yes we saw Sam Darnold you've seen you know your fair share of quarterbacks in of recent years you come in you get ready for the draft you get your body in shape and then you kind of just like coast and you're naturally talented enough that you can still be in the NFL and you throw and that's great um doesn't really work and, you know, the NFL catches up to you quickly and guys who adapt and learn. And um, that those are the guys that are successful. Look, J- Justin Herbert's been awesome his first two years. He's gotten beat up a little bit. He's up to 245 pounds from like 220 last year. And he knows probably I'm going to take more. I got to take learn how to keep taking contact and all these different things. So I think it's important. Um, from another offensive perspective, again, offensive line, it's going to be impossible to evaluate without pads on. Uh, tight ends almost they're a little bit hard to evaluate without pads on I can tell you for a fact <laughs> being in shorts and playing tight end was always fun because I don't you don't get beat up at all and you kind of get free releases the whole time right. from a Garrett Wilson perspective again for sample size what did he look like in person um, did he look like he belonged on an NFL field or was it a lot of like you know this guy I see it or you know anything like that or any takeaways there no, I don't really have any takeaways I mean uh, the receiver room was like they're rotating crazy right Calvin Jackson got reps, and, and Calvin Jackson, Jeff Smith, DJ Montgomery, they got reps with Zach. You know what I'm saying? Like, the week five starters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, they were getting reps with Zach. So, like, it was like a heavy rotation, you know. So, um, he didn't really do much, which is, like, that, that's not – there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, like, nothing to be concerned about. Like, again, going one practice. Uh, like, he didn't really – like, Elijah didn't really do much either. But, like, I, I, I believe, like, Elijah didn't do too much – last year during OTAs like that either. Well, I mean, there was some days where he flashed, but, like, he really came on during training camp. That's when you're like, oh, there might be something here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, Garrett Wilson, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't do anything, but, like, for the most part, like, he didn't, because he just didn't get any reps, so. I guess we could kind of go to the other side of the ball because it is defense is a little interesting, especially from the skill guys. You can just, again, just seeing how these guys fit in. We have – no one's ever seen them on an NFL practice field against – Right. All NFL competition. It seemed like Sauce belongs from day one. Like again, it's one practice in seven right. on seven. But like, I saw his name quite a bit, and it was pretty much all very positive um, stuff. Would you kind of agree with from that assessment? Yeah. I, I, to be honest, it's not even really like what he was doing on the field. Well, let me not say that. But with Sauce, when you see Sauce on the football field, you immediately say. The Jets had nothing close to that type of physical talent in their secondary last year. Like nothing, nothing came within breathing room of that. Like 
this like this guy has a towering presence when he's on the football field. Um, he's a big dude. Like he's yeah, legit he's six three. Yeah, but like when he when he's in press coverage, good luck. There were some plays I remember. Uh, I think Charles I, uh, Irving. It's Irving, or I, yeah, I think it's Irving or Ivan. Wait, Irving. Let's go, Irving. Um, he, he like I remember those couple plays where I, I watched those two go at it, and like when Sauce got his hand on him, that was basically yeah. And I remember that one play during seven on seven goal line. I don't really take so much from seven on seven goal line. It's you know it's basically like you know two yard line you're trying to get the ball in. Um, but there was a play where Zach wanted to go to Corey, like right. Corey's running a fade route. Zach looks right, immediately tries to throw it to him. But like Sauce is just all over Corey. Corey gets no separation, so Zach has to like turn left and he throws it to Braxton, who's guarded by Isaiah Dunn. I think Braxton draws a PI, and that was that was basically that. But like quickly you were like yo like okay like they didn't you know what i'm saying like you see the talent immediately now this would that matter in like three four months we'll see but like initially like you know flashing like i wrote about that if, like when coming coming into otas that's what you want to see <clears throat> good lord throw a little dry pause but that's what you want to see you want to see um you know, the talent that you brought in flash. Like, that's what matters, right? Like, you can't really, like, there's only so much you can take from OTAs. Like, last year, like, immediately we saw Zach had an arm, right? Michael Carter, we saw he had some explosiveness. With Elijah, we saw the quick twitch with, um, well, I mean, right now we see we see sauce, we see the physical presence. DJ Reed, we see the quick the, the twitchiness to get in out of breaks to break up some passes, you know? Like, that's what you want to see from the guys that you brought in, you know, Tyler Con- uh, Conkley. Like, I see him make a couple of nice grabs yesterday. So, yeah, I'm like, it's early. Um, but, again, you see why you guys were brought in. Yeah, it's it's just nice when you look like guys. And the NFL is hard. Like, and in day one, not everyone's able to click right away. And, again, does it really matter? No, not really. But it is nice, a little bit of confidence to go, okay, I belong here. And when you can know that day one and it doesn't take you to week two of training camp, week three, when it's already kind of hard to move up the roster and things like that, when you can walk in day one and say, I belong, like sauce is going to be a day one starter. Um, I'm not sure like every corner can walk on the field out of the draft. And yes, the just took him number four. I understand that. But at the same time, um, Guys struggle. I mean, he played. He did play at Cincinnati. He didn't play it at Alabama or LSU. And yes, mm-hmm. they played. You know, played some tougher competition this year and, and stuff like that. And he looked good. So just being able to walk on the field day one, media is there. Like you know, I'm gonna get my feet wet a little bit. This is what I was gonna kind of ask you. And I think me and you will talk about this a lot more during camp when we're both there and we can kind of both give a good assessment of it. But does it not feel like there's a lot more talent on the field just in general? Like the level of like you're watching legitimate both sides of the ball, you can go, okay, these guys can compete, not yeah. we're like we're pulling at straws. I think last year, me and you talked about this. And my other pod was like, oh, there was a really nice play of like Bryce Hall and Elijah going at it. And it's like, that's nice, but like there's a lot better corners probably than Bryce overall in the NFL. And there's honestly a lot better receivers than Elijah. So it's not really the best right, that's comparison. Good Is it, did it feel yesterday? It was like, Okay, there's some there's some legit goddamn good talent on this roster that's gonna be fun to watch go at it for the next couple months. Let you say there's some good goddamn talent on this roster. <laughs> oh, it's rare. It's rare, like a, man. That's not like a Jets fan that has watched a lot of teams that don't bad have bad teams. Yeah, a lot of bad teams. When I think I can compete talent on this roster, look, man, I I'm not that. I was not that good. I was good in high school. I wasn't good that good in college. I felt legitimately like I could compete and give more at the tight end position at some points last year than that I was getting. And I'm not even being, there's no hyperbole in that. So I know this, I don't feel like this anymore. Um, I did feel like this. So, you know, if that's, if the standard's not me, that's a good thing. Amen. But um, yeah, I mean, yes, you made a really good point. <clears throat> Dang, throw it dry again. Too much glizzies, man. <laughs> Too much glizzies. <laughs> All right. So, um, you made a really good point when you talk about Elijah and Bryce, right? Like, them boys going at it, right? And, and you made a really good point. Like, there's for sure better corners than Bryce, and there's for sure better receivers than, than Elijah. So that's not – I mean, it's good in theory, but in reality, it's not as good as it may seem. Because um, we saw that immediately. Like, uh, it took Elijah. Like, granted, you know, that wasn't all on Elijah, uh, and I'll leave it at that. But it took him a while to get going, right? <laughs> 
And, you know, eventually when you got going, you saw, you started to see what you saw in training camp. Um, but that's a good point, because, right, like, Elijah was going against Bryce and Bless a lot, and Isaiah done a lot. And no disrespect to them. Like, they're, they're, they're solid players, but, like, he, like there was always going to be an immediate step up the second he started playing uh, other corners, right? Good thing about it. Like, we, I think we talked about it on a couple podcasts before, like, Elijah went from playing, you know, going against Bryce and Bless to then, like, week one, you're going against J.C. Jackson, right? You know what I'm saying? And week two, you're going against no, – J.C. Horn, yeah, yeah, J.C. Horn, and um, uh, J.C. Jackson, yeah, then you go to J.C. Jackson. You feel me? That's like um, the same thing with Zach too, right? Like if you really think about it, last year, like you kind of mentioned, right? There's, um, you know, there's there was days in practice, and yes, it's not all fully changed, but you know, Zach's going to seven on seven period versus uh, Sherrod Neesman, Elijah Riley, Bless Austin, and Michael Carter or Brandon Eccles or Bryce Hall, whatever. And again, all respect, they're probably more all good NFL death pieces, and some guys have starter potential. Yeah. But it's a little different going against Sauce, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, all guys who are expected to be at worst average NFL starters, yeah. or really supposed to be above average to Pro Bowl level starters at all three of those guys. So um, we have that. But no, I'm saying like their ceiling is more so like the ceiling is not a. I ain't say nothing, brother. I ain't say nothing, brother. You didn't draft Sauce at four to be an average eye. starter. I had to twitch um, my eye, bro. I had to twitch my eye. Okay. But, like, in general, I'm just saying, like, the, you're going against guys who it should make you better. Like, the iron sharpens iron thing is going to be the most overused phrase of all time. I, I hate it. I know Connor hates it. And there is times where it's stupid, right? Like, there was no iron sharpening iron. Carl Lawson was just kicking the shit out of Mackay Beckton for six straight weeks. Right. But, and because it's a terrible matchup for Mackay and whatever. But there is something, especially receiver and corner, where the Jets do have very versatile, very different corners. Sauce is very different than DJ Reed. And yeah. it should be, in theory, very good for Elijah Moore and Garrett yeah. Wilson and Corey Davis to be able to go against different corners who present different skill sets. Absolutely. I don't know what it'll mean long-term, but I just think training camp being competitive is a good thing. Like, the Jets have not – I don't feel like training camp has been competitive – enough where it's like oh the defense kicked the offense's ass but then it's like eight straight practices if that's not good that was like the greg williams teams where the defense actually was pretty good and the offense was bad last year i felt like the offensive line was just losing so much to the defensive line that we saw we couldn't see anything happen in practice it was like zach would break the play it would obviously be a sack in a real game and guess what week one came and those guys were still open and zach was still making plays to try to get out of the pocket but another team's actually can hit you now. And there was a million sacks and the offense looked terrible. So um, that not happening this year will be, I think will get them in a true sense ready for week one, as opposed to going in there and kind of getting, uh, well, we got punched in the mouth for three quarters because we weren't ready. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what joint practice is there for too, right. Where you can, you know, go against other corners and go against other teams and, you know, be able to compete in that aspect. Right. Um, Cause you know, last year I knew after that Eagles uh, joint practice they weren't going to be very good like, at all because like the Eagles on paper were not supposed to be good and like they kicked the shit out of the Jets in, in joint practice like they were like two minute drills actually I think every two minute drill that the Jets had like first team they didn't score like multiple days they didn't both days they didn't score so like like you knew like it's same same with like the Packers um, one was bad <laughs> yeah same like and, Green Bay was even worse, you know, so. Yeah, that was one of those, like, we kind of expected the Green Bay one. You're traveling, you're going to Green Bay, they're Super Bowl favorites. But then when they came home and the Eagles won, like, they got Beckton and AVT back for that, those joint practices, and, like, it looked really bad. And Fletcher Cox was, like, sunning people, which, again, granted, he does that to pretty much every team. But the thing is, they played the Eagles, and that's exactly what happened in the regular season, and Fletcher Cox did the same thing, and it's, like, nothing changed, so. Um, one other question I want to ask you before we get to the, the other stuff because OTA is obviously, yeah, and stuff. We'll get did, to the did, you, did you get? Did you get the sense? I know Salah talked a lot about it of Zach's voice getting louder. Um, and, and it does make a lot of sense to me of like the louder when you're a leader and not to the Jamal Adams or a, a player of that ilk where it's a lot of like there's just a lot of talking constantly, so it, you can't really tell what it's really meant to be. Did you get the sense? kind of had did Zach look like he was like commanding the huddle a little bit better than last year and like kind of just more of like he looked like comfortable or it's like kind of hard it was kind of hard to tell just because it's, it's hard so you can't really command a huddle off seven off seven anyway yeah yeah so no nah, I mean that's I can't really speak too much to that I mean like right now I mean like, like I, I try to stay away from cliche talk and like 
May and April and June because it's all cliche talk. It's all cliche talk. You know, you know, where has no matter where you what team it is, no matter how good or bad the quarterback is uh, from the previous year, whatever it is, whatever situation, when do they say like, yeah, he's not committing the huddle? You know what I'm saying? Or like, we this guy's not in good shape. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's, you know, so I, I, I kind of stay away from cliche talk. Um, because man, it's just I'm not gonna waste my time. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny to me. There is. Let me see if I can pull it up here while we're on this. Quinn Williams, um, who is Quinn Williams is so trained at media talk. So Quinn Williams yesterday, direct quote, gets wants to get bigger, faster, stronger this offseason. Did so by lowering body fat percentage. So I'm going to read you. This is all Connor's tweets. Okay, these are this is all Connor used in the last four years since Quinn uh, Quinn since Quinn has dra- been drafted. Quinn Williams crushes conditioning test field, wants to get stronger and faster and uh, leaner. Quinn Williams, 2020. I train my butt off the season to get quicker, faster, and stronger. <laughs> Quinn Williams in 2021. Let's see if I can find it. Quinn Williams, 2021. Wants to get bigger, faster, stronger this offseason. Did so by lowering body fat percentage. And then this year, wants to get bigger, faster, stronger. Point being, <laughs> there is a lot of the same rhetoric that gets used yes. every year. Sam Darnold was asked yesterday, does he think he's a good NFL quarterback? He responded, yes, I feel I belong. Shocker, because that's what people do at this time of year. Guess what? Ezekiel Elliott, his rotational May 25th quote, I am in the best shape of my life. That's great. You're probably fat as shit. That's probably what that, Okay, so has there ever so, – so someone says they're in the best shape of their life. I know we're going, we're going on a tangent. But has, has an athlete ever said – I'm in the best shape of my life. And then they proceed to have a good year following saying I'm in the best shape of my life. I feel like that's when you're at the cliff, right? I'm in the best shape of my life. And you step off that cliff and then you fall into a abyss of washness after that. Anyone who's over year three that says that, I get huge question marks. My other favorite one, which has never, quite literally never worked, um, ask Gary and Foster or Cam Newton or a million other guys. I oh, cut okay. out, I cut out, I went vegan and cut out red meat. Okay, good for you. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. That is, if you choose to do so, that is awesome. Good for you. Um, it's never worked. Uh, they, everyone gets infinitely, they lose all their powers. Aaron Foster sucked after that. Cam Newton quite literally went to become one of the worst quarterbacks in football directly after cutting out meat. So pause. So I... Let's not have any Jets talk about best shape of their life. Denzel Mims is bound for getting traded based on saying that. Um, Lawrence Cager is probably now going to get cut because he is in the best shape of his life. Um, it's not great. So let's, let's Zach, let's just Zach get fat. Like hopefully Zach gets 240 and he's fat. He'll probably throw for 5,000 yards. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to, again, as things go along with OTAs and minicamp, uh, and I think minicamp's in two weeks, which is a little bit more intense than OTAs, obviously. Um, and then, obviously, as we get into camp, and camp will be much more in-depth on practices, and we'll overreact all the time. It'll be week one overreactions every day. Um, but we'll get more in-depth there um, as things go on. Obviously, yesterday, it's just – I don't want to talk for 45 minutes about that. So, I appreciate everyone. we got a ton of more voicemails. Please keep every time we do these. The voicemails are funny. You can let a few F-bombs go. Let it all out. Um, we did moments that made you want to quit being a fan darkest moments as a fan. We again, also get to, you know, the fun times as well, but we, we figured we'd start with some more, uh, some more fun content. We want to go, which one do we want to go first? We want to go bills game first, or should we go butt fumble first? Cause I feel like butt fumble. Yeah, we had a couple of butt fumble ones that, you know, that we had two butt fumble ones that I could empathize with. Let's, let's see. Uh, let's see what we got here. We're going to go with Killian T. We'll go with yours first. It, it didn't make me almost want to leave the team. But fam, that moment, I still literally have cuts on my knuckles from punching a hole in my wooden dresser from that play. Literally like came home from Bible study, you feel me, Thanksgiving, you feel me, moms, you know, trying to get you out there to be with the family, watching the football game, nigga. and all of a sudden you see this, you feel me, I punch a hole clean through my dresser, family come running in my room, 
they see the play happening, knowing I'm a Jet fan, they see what's going on, they see the play. Dude, I'm getting clowned for the rest of the night. That play, literally, literally. I still have the scars, bro. But I'm still here. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Hopefully we can turn this ship around. That was true depression. <laughs> it's you hit a JTS, Jets, Jets, Jets. Right at the end, he was. <laughs> it was like, man, you know, we, you know, J-E-T-S. Yeah, hopefully we could turn around. Killian, I, I, uh, I can appreciate that one. Um, I believe we have one more um, for the uh, for the butt fumble that yeah. I'll get to here, and then, Just, then we can dive into it. Definitely 2015 Bills game. Oh, no, nope, that's Paul Gia, the Bills game. So we'll get to that one. That one I know will be a common one. I left Thanksgiving dinner from Long Island to go to MetLife Stadium for the Jets versus the Patriots. By the time I got there, the Jets were down 14 nothing. We got a beer, sat down, and the next play was the butt fumble. We immediately got up out of our seats. And we left. That's as close as I've ever come to quitting my Jets fandom. That was from Jim. So appreciate that one. The Buff Fumble one's tough. Um, it was, as usual, on prime time on Thanksgiving. The Jets are coming off. 2008, very good. They lose at the end, but they'll make the playoffs. But you could see they were going to be a special team. 2009, AFC title run. They lose to Peyton. It happens. Um, on the road, the team was probably a year away. 2010, which we'll get to, you know, they lose. 2011, the team's still very good. They lost a lot of core guys that are veterans. Um, we'll get to a thing for 2011. And then 2012, it started to all really fall apart. The team got very old very quickly. Um, naturally, as this happens, when you put together a veteran roster in year five of it, it's it's not great. Um, a lot more was on Mark Sanchez that year. And Thanksgiving, they're four and six. They're playing Tom Brady. This is obviously not going to end well. The Jets are down 35 nothing quickly. Um, but it all kind of started, obviously, 14 nothing. But fumble happens. Mark Sanchez actually statistically played a pretty good game. But um, but fumble happens, and it just spiraled into one of those games where, like, I, I couldn't watch it. I was like, this sucks. Like, I, I'd rather just hang out with my family. Like, this, <laughs> this is horrifying. As a guy, I was a true Dolphins fan at the time, obviously, in terms of having no connection to the Jets. No, I'm saying it's no connection to the Jets at all, like not even. Do you ever do you remember where you kind of were watching that game going? Yeah, I was at a, I was at Thanksgiving dinner in Miami with a family member, uh, my mom. And I think I probably was eating a glizzy at the time, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I, you know, just thinking about my brain saying glizzy, so I'm guessing I had to be in the glizzy at that time. But you know, I remember like, you know, just periodically checking in and like, oh shit, like again, I ass kicked. But I, I don't ever remember actually watching the Buffalo live. I was just in and out, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I I do remember where I was, but I was just again like in and out. Um, but man. Like, who would have thought, like, like, over a decade later, like, that's still a fixture within Jets history. Like, Mark Sanchez will always be renowned for that play, right? Like people talk about that play more than, like, his two AFC, like, the two times he helped lead the Jets to the AFC Championship game. It's crazy. It, it is. It sucks because. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't suck. This is fantastic. Continue. No, I mean, it, it sucks in the aspect of, like, certain plays will define people's careers one way or another, right? And. For Mark, as much as I know Mike Weiss, that Mike Mustaf was on my pod and was like, Mark was terrible. Um, you know, look, he, no other quarterbacks taken the Jets to back to back AFC title games. And whether it's how much Mark had to do with it or not, he was still the quarterback. And Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl and Brad Johnson, we don't talk about how awful they were the other years or Joe Flacco. We don't talk about Joe Flacco self, like self tearing his own ACL because he slid like an idiot. Like, we don't talk about that stuff. Um, we don't talk about Brady getting walked off at home in a playoff game or because he threw a pick six, all these different things we talk about because they're remembered for these other moments. So um, Mark Sanchez, whether people like it or not, is remembered for a incredibly embarrassing play, almost more embarrassing. Brandon Moore um, 
hell of a hell of a strong uh, backside there to be able to basically decapitate your quarterback and make himself fumble. Um, impressive stuff. Brandon Moore, again, Brandon Moore is a really good player in the NFL, and he's only remembered as a right guard because of um, using his ass to, to make Mark Sanchez <laughs> fumble. Um, so that one's not uh, not great. What do we want to go to next? We want to go to 2010, or should we go to the Bills and the uh, the Bills and the Giants games? Most definitely, most definitely, Bills. Bills. Okay, let's see. I believe from Jameer here. Um, I definitely had to say that. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Week 17 of the 15th season and then the overall 16th season. Like, you know, like, that was lightning in a bottle, don't get me wrong, but, like, everything was going right. You know, we just knocked off, just knocked off the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? We had, what, 10 and 5. We go into the five win bills, Rex Ryan coaching. It's like, okay, bet. We about to knock them out the way, you know, get get at our old coach, and then we moving, you know? And everybody, everybody seen us getting hot, you know? So it was like, it's kind of like that Colts, Colts last year, where it was like, okay, if they get in, you know, they might they might shake up the table. And these dudes go out there and completely fold. And then the 16th season, you know, we coming back. And then, you know, the media is hyping it up a little bit. They're like, okay, you got to watch out for the Jets. They was 10 and 6. You know, they might be Super Bowl sleepers. So, you know, my, my head's already boosted up at this point. Like, what, Fitzmagic had, like, 30 touchdowns. Uh, Decker and uh, B. Marsh, I think, broke some, like, receiver touchdown records or something. Like, you know, like, okay, yo, we're cooking right now. And then that season is just trash. So I'm like, yo, at that point, like, my hope was, like, was, like, tarnished. I'm like, yo, like, yeah. And then, you know, we haven't had a winning season since, so then it's like, oh, my God. We'll get to this, and then Paulie G, yours quickly. Definitely 2015 Bills game at the end of the year. That shit was brutal, man. I was at the Patriots game when we beat them in overtime, and I thought for sure, I was like, I was 15 years old, I was like, Holy shit, we're doing it. We're going to the fucking playoffs. Next week rolls by, shattered. All my dreams, all my hopes, just shattered. It was horrible. But, I mean, it makes sense. It adds up for being a Jets fan. Like, we all expected it. Bill's game, um, as Greg Armstrong, who's a a TOJ contributor, diehard Celtics guy, went to Cortland with me. Um, He has an infamous picture sitting in the crowd in Buffalo that got on CBS of him just looking like a depressed mess. Um, that game was, that game sucked for a lot of reasons. Um, different than the Patriots game, the buff fumble. Yes. The buff fumble is the most embarrassing play, but like that team was not very good in 2012. They, you know, would go on to be very awful, obviously. And it kind of, it was a rightful kind of ending to that, that run. Um, 2015 team was good. Like, they set a ton of records um, as much as I don't like Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's another story for another time. Brandon Marshall had one of the 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns and Decker had like, I think 1200 yards or 1100 yards and 
bunch of touchdowns. Chris Ivory was fun. Revis was still really good. And they brought Crow back and they brought all, you know, they brought the band back together on defense and Todd Bowles first year. McCagney was executive of the year. Like that was a team at 10 and five. No one wanted to see in the playoffs. They just beat the Patriots in overtime. They, they just were like a really fun team to watch. They threw the ball around the yard. They were a little exciting to beat the giants in the last seconds. They beat I think Jacksonville in the last second. Like it was just a really cool team because it was out of nowhere. Kind of, it wasn't a team anyone expected to be that good. Um, to go up and lose in Buffalo because they didn't show up. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick turned back into Ryan Fitztragic, as someone put on my timeline. Um, he's allergic to the playoffs, as everyone knows, so that was probably predictable. They're playing against Rex Ryan, and, and as a Bills coach, the first year after he had just been fired from the Jets, and like the Bills were terrible, and it just it sucks because it was like that team could have made some noise in the playoffs. It felt like a team nobody wanted to, uh, you know, nobody wanted to play. And to go up the season finale, a division opponent with nothing to play for, coached by your former coach, and then to lose like that. Um, and like the whole game hinged upon one play down the sidelines where you have a jet drop the ball. It's that sucks. Um, I know the, the Dolphins actually have done it twice to the Jets in the last 15 years of um, knocking the Jets out of the playoffs. Um, once in Miami where Santonio Holmes quit. The other time where, um, you know, Brett Favre's arm fell off. And yeah, I'm surprised that nobody mentioned that. You know, I was hoping somebody was going to mention yeah, that. Yeah, no one, no one mentioned either game. That, those games games. sucked. You yeah, know, I'm surprised. Nobody yeah. mentioned how fantastic that game, like how heart-wrenching, how gut-wrenching that game was. You know, I, I wanted to hear that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But, you know, hey, you know, that's not you know there. Um. So here's my thing with the 2015. You know, so I agree that it was heart wrenching, but the people that believe that you guys would have went on a playoff run on on drugs, you got your quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he turned into Ryan Fitzpatrick when you guys thought that he was going to, you know, um, help get you to the playoffs. He showed you that he is Ryan Fitzpatrick. So what would you think in the playoffs? Ryan Fitzpatrick wouldn't be Ryan Fitzpatrick. You might have got one win because I will say the matchups. You could, I think, either play the Texans or the Bengals on with, with AJ McCarron, which is all right. That's fair. But after that, then what? I want to say 2015 was who? Patriots. They would have gotten again, maybe. Patriots were damn good in 2015. Yeah, um, did, yeah did it? Um, no, I think the Broncos went to Super Bowl that year in 2015. Oh, so yeah, and then oh yeah, New England beat. New England would have lost to Denver. Denver's best defense. That was 2015. Right. That was they they won the Super Bowl with yeah, Peyton with no arm. No one was beating that team. The issue is what's more tragic. See, I, the game sucked, but like that's not what bothered me. What bothered me is we everyone watched that game, including the Jets coaching staff front office, and said, you know, would be really smart is overpaying Ryan Fitzpatrick and and then saying he faltered when he needed him most, and then let's now go pay him um, as a guy who is not liked by teammates, whether don't ever believe it every year, because that's not true. He's liked by like three or four guys in the roster, usually the receiver he targets, maybe a center specifically if they're white. Um, <laughs> and, and then, and then he couldn't get you to the playoffs and every team makes the same mistake over and over the Redskins put or commanders put all their eggs in the Fitzpatrick bags basket last year. Cause they, they thought they were a quarterback away oh, fits. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? He got hurt because he, he, he's allergic to the playoffs. That sucked. That was what sucked because it was referenced. I don't remember which voicemail it was referenced 2016. That's what was more disappointing. They tried to run it back with the guys that were all lightning in a bottle. Like B Marsh is, was a great player, but like there was obviously always some tension with Brandon Marshall and there's sometimes self-admittedly he's like, you know, he has, I'm pretty sure he's self-admittedly bipolar or something. So, mm-hmm. um, that kind of went off the cliffs and Ryan Fitzpatrick was really, really bad. And um, that, that was just disappointing. We'll get to two more here. Um, honorable mention, we were going to talk about the 1986 stuff. We got some talks about that with Mark Gastineau's roughing the passer call, the double overtime loss in Cleveland. Um, I'm not going to, not going to get into that. Neither of us were alive and I don't feel like I have the same connection to it. Um, and I don't feel like you do either. So we can, uh, we'll just honorable mention bring that Did one up. Have a connection to the Jets in the eighties? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the... When Dan Marino was doing his thing. Continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So let's get to. I don't even care that much about Dan Marino to be honest. But go ahead. All right. So let's get to the Steelers. We'll get the Steelers first. I think. Let's get here. 
clear this this Steelers one from Rami. Obviously, there's no shortage of nightmares when you're a Jets fan. The 97 season finale comes to mind, the AFC Championship in 98, uh, the Doug Bryan game. But you're lying to yourself if you're not saying the 2011 AFC Championship against the Steelers, right? Coming off the Patriots game, it really felt like we were a team of destiny, but we just came out so flat, um, you know, and the most pessimistic of Jets fans, which is the large majority of us, will tell you they are convinced. I am convinced Antonio Brown doesn't make that third down catch. We're going to the Super Bowl and we're playing a team who we competed against earlier in the season. Um, there's so many what ifs in that game. You know, the Mark Sanchez fumble at the end of the half felt unnecessary, but it happened. Uh, it was just incredibly disappointing. And it really felt like that was our chance. That was the end of the Rex Ryan era. Uh, and it's frustrating to this day. So I will, I will say this. The one thing I don't agree with that we will get to the end of the Rex Ryan era. That will be our last one. Um, that Jets team is genuinely really, really, really good. Um, I feel like the team in 2009 was a year early. Uh, I think they got some, they got really hot in the playoffs to beat Peyton on the road with a really good indie team to beat uh, Tom Brady on the road and probably the best win for the Jets. And, you know, that was a, I appreciate it. Patriots team was 14 and two, I believe, or 13 and three. They were like really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good that year. And Brady like talks about it in um, Man, Man the Tunnel or Man or whatever the show was. Um, Man, the arena is like that season. Like I was convinced we were winning the title. They go in there, they beat them. They've got all these Hall of Famers that come, uh, come to the Jets that year. They stacked up. You've got Prime Revis, Prime Cromarty. Go on. That list goes on and on. You know, Chris Jenkins getting hurt socked, and uh, Damian Woody tore his Achilles, I believe, in Week 17, um, which was obviously super unfortunate. But you still felt like this team's going to win the title. They've beaten the two best quarterbacks maybe ever back to back weeks in the road. They'd already beaten that Steelers team, I think, Week 15 or Week 16 that year in Pittsburgh already. They've already beaten them. Um, you just felt like they're they're winning this game. Um, they're going to win the Super Bowl. They played Green Bay early in the year at home. They lost, but it was like nine nothing, and it was like one of those games. Charles Woodson won Defensive Player of the Year. Everyone felt like Revis should have won again, and the whole thing. So it was like this perfect matchup. You felt like the Jets they're winning the Super Bowl, and um, yeah, they <laughs> they did not show up for thirty minutes, and you cannot do that in the NFL and expect to win. And um, you know, Mike DeVito on my pod said he thinks if Chris Jenkins is playing and not him, um, he joked that like, you know, they went, they go to that Super Bowl because he left his gap assignment and David Harris lost Antonio Brown in coverage because Antonio Brown was uncoverable as he was for his entire career um, <laughs> on and off the field. So <laughs> um, it's that I, that one to me, I thought was going to be the most popular one. Everyone still holds on to that team um for for the right reasons I mean they were fun to watch but it just that sucks because you felt like even 2009 I don't I feel like the team maybe they could have won the Super Bowl New Orleans was an absolute wagon and like I didn't feel like I don't think they even mean absolute wagon like I don't I don't think the Jets I don't know that the Jets were beating New Orleans um even if they beat Indy that year I felt like the Jets are winning I think the Jets would have beaten the Packers in that game if they get there I truly believe that what the what does an absolute wagon mean like they, I don't know. I just, <laughs> like they were just the train. Like they weren't, they weren't going to get stopped. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start using that. Start I usually using... use it in a different term, but that's probably not appropriate for the podcast. Um, but yeah, no, I just, that I get that one. That one to me is the most clear as day. Like the most, the game that mattered the most, it wasn't a regular season game. It wasn't week seven. It wasn't, you know, even losing a wild card or losing a week 17 game that made it right. to the playoffs. It's like, the AFC title game, you lose by five points because you shit the bed for, for two quarters. What's so crazy about, like, that run? Because I, I remember both of those runs as a kid. Like, I started paying attention to football in 20, 2005. Like, I started, like, okay, I'm genuinely, like, I understand what's happening a little bit better. Like, like I, I have legitimate recollection of those, you know, those years. Um so obviously 2005, the Dolphins go, I believe, 9-7 and seven, Nick Saban. And the year after that, they go, like, 6-10. and 10. I think the Patriots won the Super Bowl in – no, they didn't win 05. In 06, they didn't win. 07, they go 17 or they lose in the Super Bowl. But in 08, the Dolphins win um, the division. In 09, the Patriots are uh, – Chad. Yeah, shout-out Chad. Shout-out Chad. In 09, the Patriots win the division. The Jets made the AFC Championship game. And then obviously the Patriots obviously go 14 and two and then the Jets beat them and go to the AFC championship game. So at that point, obviously I knew about the Patriots, um, you know, 
being having some won Super Bowls, yada yada. But for me, it was just like, all right, they won it like a few years ago. Like that's that's whatever. Um, so during that that span, I'm like, yo, the Patriots and in, in the Jets are really gonna be like a dominant force going forward. Cause I, at that time I was like, you know, early teenage years, you know what I'm saying, toddler, whatever, whatever those numbers are. And I'm thinking, damn, like how the hell the Dolphins gonna be able to compete with this? You know? Um, cause at that point, like the Patriots hadn't been as dominant as they were earlier in the 2000s. Obviously, they they went back on their other run, but at that point, it was really like Patriots or Jets. Um, and I remember that that, that used to petrify me uh, all the time. Like me and my home, me and my best friend Johnny, we talk about it all the time, like how in that 2010 run, you guys beat Tom Brady and Peyton Manning back to back games and didn't make the Super Bowl. Like, like. That's doesn't, doesn't make any sense. They would, have, sense. they would have, if they would have completed that, they would have beaten Rodgers, Big Ben, Brady, and Manning in a four-game stretch all on the road. Right. That, like I, that just like that doesn't make any sense. Um, that Jets coaching staff was loaded. Yeah, Jets it was probably, loaded. Like, the, like a lot of those guys on that coaching staff became head coaches. Like the defensive coordinator, um, Mike. Uh, Mike Patton. Had Anthony Lynn was on that staff. Yeah, Anthony was on it. Obviously, Bill Westoff. Callahan. Westoff was on that. Callahan. You know, uh, it's it was loaded. They were on hard knocks. They like actually were like good and like should have been on hard knocks and then carried it through. They opened MetLife that year. Um, they lost the Ravens, of course. We Matt, Matt Cavanaugh, who was on the yeah. Jets staff last year, he was on that staff too. You know what I'm saying? Like He's around for a while. That, that, yeah, Tannen, yeah. that Tannenbaum front office had a bunch of guys. Like it just it sucked, and um, it felt like that team had one more run in them, which is um, which is it was the last of Jericho Cotri on the team, which was a Mike Tannenbaum's probably his biggest error uh, as GM, even worse than Tebow. He's self admittedly said that a million times. They let D Wood went and ended up retiring. They they let uh they let Tony Richardson walk and he ended up retiring. They let Jason Taylor walk. They brought back LT one year is too many. It was like everything they brought in Derek Mason for three games, who apparently never practiced once, which was that's a whole nother discussion. I'm not ranting about Derek Mason on this podcast. Then they brought in plaques, like it, it just was and that team. So the Jets will bring it back. So we'll get to this last one. The team ended up bringing um bringing they won on 9-11 they beat the cowboys revis was still in his prime this team was still really good but they were starting to give mark sanchez more leeway and try to be him more of a uh, leader um and you know kind of start to give him more of the offense and uh believe let's see if we get to it here let me find the uh the message this one is from Josh. We will hit the Giants uh, Christmas Eve debacle before we wrap here. So, Josh, we'll play your message now. Hey, guys. So, other than the obvious choices of 2010 AFC Championship game against the Steelers or 2015 Week 17 against the Bills, I got to say 2011 Week 16 against the Giants when Victor Cruz rips that 99-yard touchdown on 3rd and 10 and the Giants ruined Christmas and went on to win the Super Bowl, that was pretty brutal. So... Yeah, those three games for me have been the worst. That Giants game, I that was the official to me end of the it officially actually did end, I'm pretty sure, in Miami. How uh, San Antonio Holmes quit. They just lost in Miami. It was like a million degrees out. They needed they still all they needed to do was beat the Giants, Eagles, or Dolphins week 15, 16, 17. Um, all technically on the road, and they lost all three. They were eight and five. People still thought they could compete for a title. They lose third and 10 giants are backed up on their own one yard line. Um, the jets were trying to like turn the city a little bit. It'd be the fourth year in a row. The giants were, the jets were better than the giants. And it's like this whole fun thing. There's Rex Ryan sends out only Plaxico burst as a captain talking crazy shit all week. I'm chirping all my friends at high school. I'm a jets fan. Revis is the goat. You know, he's going to destroy the giants. The whole thing as a classic, you know, sophomore in high school would do. Victor Cruz catches a stick pattern. Eric Smith's the slowest person I've ever seen in my life. You know, the Jets whiff on a tackle. He goes 99 yards, and it was just like everything collapsed. Like, it all just caved in. Sanchez was just like through 75 times for like 240 yards. It was just everything about that day sucked. It's Christmas Eve. Again, another holiday ruined. Then the Giants go and win a Super Bowl. Beat Brady again. Something the Jets had just, you know, it just was like, the Jets just collapsed, had collapsed the previous two years in the AFC title game, you know, and then finish it off. You thought this was the last year they had a chance. 
they overcame a bunch that I, I don't know. And Victor Cruz saucing and it was just disgusting. Yeah, man. Uh, I remember that. I mean, I mean, if you guys want to hear one of my darkest dolphin moments, is we would love guys, to. It was when it was 20 or 2013. Y'all beat us when we all we had to do was win one game to get in the playoffs, and y'all beat us in week 17. I think 20 to 7. Yep. Gino, Gino, Gino Smith, Smith had 158 passer rating. No, nah, I wasn't that game. That was the year after. Oh, that was the that was the weirdest game ever. The Jets were terrible. And like Gino yeah. just Gino just like was like, Yeah, I'm I'm actually good. And it's like so, not. that that one for sure was uh not fun. Um I came from church after that day and um I don't think I went back to church the following week, but well yeah, you did need to win one game. I forgot, <laughs> exactly. I forgot about that. Yep, I think it was 27. Uh, I remember like it was tied 7 7. I remember Tannehill. 20 to 7. Yep, Tannehill. Yep, there it is. The Giants, Dolphins are 8 and 7. Joe Philbin's the coach. Yep, and that was that. So, yeah, you were up 7 nothing too. Yeah, um, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Wallace touched pass from Brian Tannehill. And yeah, um, seven point favorites at home. Sheldon Richardson had a rushing touchdown. What the hell is going on in this game? Why do I not remember this? Oof, Tannehill's, oh, Tannehill's stat line. Jesus Christ. 20 of 40 for th- with three picks. Oh, D. Milner had two picks and Ed Reed. Wow. Who's that, man? Ed Reed. Oh, wow. That is our man uh, Leger had two tackles. Nice. <laughs> he just uh, called me. I actually have to call him back. So he just called me, actually. So, um, But, yeah, no, we're going to – we'll obviously continue to do some fun stuff like this throughout the offseason. Um, you know, we'll do some – most exciting memories, you know, all these different things. Um, again, please keep leaving the voicemails. They're, they're fun to listen to. Um, get your voice on the show um, as well. So, um, DJ, any final thoughts before we, uh, before we wrap? No, that's it. Um, you know, appreciate y'all sending that in. Now I can go eat breakfast. I'm starving. Um, there's no OTAs today either. So, yeah, man, I'm going to enjoy this day. You know, write a little bit. Write about how – Right about Dick Wilson, and uh, that's that. So, hashtag beefy Zach, beefy Robert. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we'll be back, and uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Talk to you guys next week or later this week.